Let's get down to business to record the pod. Great Mulan reference there. Hi, Ken. Hello and welcome back to the Nostalgia FC podcast with your host, me, Drew. And me, George. This is the podcast where we delve deep into the recesses of football and history and obscure football players. Each week we get on a guest who will give us their favourite footballing 11, their super sub, their manager, their stadium and their kit. Yes, apart from this week, because this week is different <laughs> and the guests are us. Uh, tell a lie, we do have a guest. Everyone say hello again to Josh. Hello, Josh. Hello. Josh, uh, you'll probably remember, gave us a team of mainly United players and one Torino player. Yeah. And so John O'Shea. John O'Shea there. 11 times, I seem to recall. <laughs> yeah, all <laughs> you need. So despite that, we thought we'd bring him back, uh, partly because the concept for this episode was Josh's idea. Mm-hmm. So when we hit 1,000 listens, to celebrate, we, we put a competition up to see who would give us a concept episode, and Josh was the most successful candidate. So, Josh, why don't you tell us what the concept is? So the concept I wanted was to see you two go against each other, against heroes versus villains, see who can make the best team out of one or the other. Yeah, so we flipped the coin. We genuinely flipped the coin. I got heroes and George has villains. So Yeah, just to clarify as well, it's heroes and villains within football, not like fictional Oh, well, I'm after. Hang on, just give me a few hours to change my. Drew's <laughs> got like <laughs> Superman up front. Oh, Mario's up front, mate. It's more than powerful. No, so we have made a team each. I'm going to go through the team, and Josh is here to give his thoughts on our team as we go along. And then at the end, Josh is going to decide who he thinks is the best team. And then you at home can then decide who you think is the best team. So without further ado, this is Nostalgia FC, the Heroes versus Villains special. <laughs> Okay, so formation-wise, I don't suppose there's actually a, a heroic or villainous version of a, a formation. So we'll just say it. I have a four-three-three formation. Uh, yeah, I have a three-four-three. Yeah, uh, I kind of shoehorned in a couple of plays. There we go. And, and my, I just can't do maths, so I like to stick with a simple formation, which <laughs> I can understand, as you probably guess at this point. As soon as someone says something with a three at the start, I'm lost. So, straight in. Goalkeeper. Do you want to go first or second? Your, your choice. I'll go first because you, you gave me a bit of teaser in the fact that apparently I won't even guess who your goalkeeper is. No, no. Um, and my goalkeeper has actually appeared on the podcast twice before. Uh, it's Rene Higita. Villain. Now, right. <laughs> he is very synonymous in Colombia with the cocaine trade. <laughs> Villain? I mean, that's a good guy, isn't it? Uh, he's, he was good mates with Pablo Escobar, from what oh. I read. <laughs> I think everyone in Colombia is. <laughs> so it was sort of, th- there was something along the lines of, I, I know they had a night out together anyway. And I was just like, Pablo Escobar was possibly one of the most terrifying men in history. And Rene is just having a pint with him. Um, so that terrifies me a little bit. The thing is, as well, if you're Rene Higuita, you, can't, you can never even deny that because... Your hair is so <laughs> noticeable and you'll look so noticeable like, no, that wasn't me. That was the other guy with a seven foot afro and a weird moustache. 
Uh, there you go, Colombia legend and pal of Pablo Escobar. Uh, he took cocaine as a supplement before games. A supplement? <laughs> that explains so much. <laughs> Sorry, a supplement, as if he's using it like a... I don't think he said that. I think someone's... <laughs> pre-workout line before I get going. <laughs> I actually had a guy in my uni football team that used to do that. It would remain anonymous, but he was the goalie. And he was just well, that's not anonymous. The... That's, that's a one person. <laughs> he was, uh, he'd set in the changing rooms, do a line, start hitting himself, crack on the pitch, let in 10. <laughs> what, he took crack on the pitch? Oh, it, it wasn't smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't know if someone was bad in goal. <laughs> Well, I must have missed that spin-off on uh, Narcos where Renegade Higgies is like I'd like to think as well he's wearing one of the really colourful like uh, <laughs> the tops that he used to yeah, yeah. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense that he liked them if he was off his face all the time. Yeah. Probably didn't even realise there was anything wrong with him. Right, so my goalkeeper, I suppose you could say he's a bit of an anti-hero in that he's a hero, but not many people see him that way. And it's for one specific reason, of course it is. You know, you could have saw this coming. It is Oliver Kahn. Now, okay. I hear you. Oliver Kahn, not really known for being a hero, more known for an being angry man. a shouty German man. However, if you throw it all the way back, 2001, Champions League final, Bayern Munich versus Valencia, went to a penalty shootout, okay? And Santiago Canizera, Canizeres? Can yeah. Canizares was in goal for Valencia and penultimate penalty Canizares just completely bottled it and didn't even die he just sort of fell over and that turned out to be the winning pen because Oliver Kahn then saved the next penalty and Bayern won 5-4 or 6-5 on pens basically okay. so it's the first time in 20 years that Bayern had won the Champions League all the players are going mad running around the pitch and Oliver Kahn pushes all the, his Bayern players away, doesn't have any interest in them, and he goes straight to Canizares, and like, who's crying on the floor, and gives him a big hug. Just gives him a big hug, reassures him, says, hey, it's all right, mate. I get, I'm get. i sure he didn't say this because he's German, and Canizares is Spanish, so I don't know how they how they conversed, but it was just a, an, an act of true sportsmanship and the highest level. I've seen it happen nowadays. I saw City players do it a few weeks ago, but I think... At the peak of that, so the, the Champions League final, the peak of a player's career, and instead of celebrating the first trophy, the first Champions League in twenty years, he's straight to the opposition goalkeeper to console him and make sure he's okay. That's, that's pretty as heroic. A, as a keeper as well, he'd know the absolute like, yeah pain of sort of. <laughs> there's, there's always that keepers union, isn't there, where keepers yeah. all secretly like each other, even if they have to pretend not to. Sometimes the only thing I will say is you have no idea what he said to him. Oh, no, no, yeah. He might have been, been like, you <laughs> fucked up, you. You're absolutely shit, you mate. <laughs> <laughs> Just tried to make it look nice for the cameras, but we'll never know. Well, he he won the... Um, for some reason, they collectively, the pair of them, won the, the FIFA Fair Play Award for that one moment in Champions League final. Oh. I don't know Ooh. why Canazares got it. Because he was crying, so I don't really know. I, they probably just gave it to him because he was like, "Well, he lost the championship." Yes, yeah, he feels yeah. bad. Ego is a, is a nice fair player award. But yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah, so Oliver Kahn, not really renowned for being uh, that nice of a man, a very shouty man by all accounts, but for that one moment, 
I'd count as a hero. Yeah, fair enough. Nice, nice. There's my keeper. So I'll go. I'll go next. We'll do it. We'll do the the snake version. You know what that means? Like when they go one two one two one. You get it. You know. A B B A A B B A A. That yeah. weird penalty thing. We'll do that one. So my right back is Dario Serna. You may have heard of Dario Serna. Had a long career at Shakhtar Donetsk. Okay. And Dario Serna, right back, actually was a right back. I've not had to segue him. Croatian guy. He played for Hajduk Split. He played for Shakhtar Donetsk and then he played for Calgary before he retired in 2019. Made 134 appearances for Croatia, which is where people might know him from. Played against England quite a few times. And... He's currently director of football at Shakhtar Donetsk as well. So he's, he's a obviously a big part of Shakhtar's history and current team as well. But mm-hmm. again, I am picking him for one quite obscure reason that is pretty heroic. Okay, so it's outside of football because, um, well, it's just a, a, an act of pure, just, I don't know how to describe it. It's just amazing. So in 2014... He purchased 20 tons of tangerines and donated them to over 23,000 primary school children in the Donbass region during an ongoing war. So he basically paid for 20 tons of tangerines to feed starving children in a war zone. I mean, I, I can't really argue with that. See what I've done? One question. Hit me. Why tangerines? Yeah, uh, that's what I was thinking. Why didn't he get some in some two days? Well, he wanted to stay on brand with football, so, you know, half-time oranges. He just wanted to stay <laughs> no, on brand. It's like, it's not very, I don't know. It's not very it's, substantial meal, is it? I mean, it's fruit. It's healthy. It's good for you. Why are you, hang on, why are you picking holes in this man feeding starving children? Because after two days... Maybe like, you two are the villains. Fruit, <laughs> all it's going to be doing is last at them. So, Josh, uh, Josh, I don't think it was two tons of tangerines in one go. You don't know that. We don't know the details of this. Josh, you can do maths. Do two tons divided by 23,000 and see how many individual oranges each individual child got. A lot. <laughs> maths. Thank you. Quick maths. And so I, saw the, I saw the look then that was just like, no. It's a Friday about, evening. We're not doing this. You are 80 grams of tangerines each. Uh, so yeah, that, I'd say that's that's a fair amount of tangerines per child. So they're getting yeah, we'll the... them all. Are they getting them all at once? There's holes in the story, Drew. Is what I'm trying to get out of you. Well, I'll be honest. I didn't foresee you challenge the man donating <laughs> oranges to, to starving children. But okay. <laughs> well, there you go. So yeah, Darius Darius Turner, a great player. If you remember him playing, he actually was a very good right back as well. Um, played a long time at Shakhtar in the Champions League. Croatia played in multiple Euros and World Cups, great player. And yeah, a, a very nice man who donated a lot of oranges to a lot of starving children. So good on yeah. you, Mario. Good on Linked you. with Arsenal for a long time. There you go. And he knew that Arsenal love oranges. So he's trying to get his foot <laughs> in the door. All right, okay. go on, George. So I've got three centre-backs. And the first one, right, so picture this. You finally got to the Champions League final. Uh, I think it's your first time getting there. You're the best player for your team, right? Absolute best player for your team by by my by a mile, right? In the first 30 minutes, within the first 30 minutes, their centre back brings you down by holding onto your arm and fully 
well, not breaking it, but I don't know what he did. And I can see Drew starting to cry. <laughs> I have picked Sergio ah! Ramos. <laughs> Well, I picked Sergio Ramos for the moment of, and he said afterwards that he meant to do it, of pulling Mo Salah down by his arm to injure him in the Champions League final to give Real Madrid a better chance of winning. Which is win. just the ultimate shithousery. Yeah. It's not even just that one moment. Like, that is obviously one of his more well documented moments, but he's made yeah. a whole career out of being an absolute shithouse. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the problem is he's also a terrific football player, which bothers me because I really wish he was just a shit house because then I could just hate him. But I know how good he is at football, and how crucial he is. So yeah. I, it's like one of those players people love to hate. He's like a he's like a pantomime villain of football. He's Cruella de Vil. Yeah, I mean he's killed less dogs, I imagine. But yeah, I get uh, you oh, never I know. Tired. <laughs> I, d- I don't want to get cancelled by Sergio Ramos fans <laughs> if we accuse him of being a dog murderer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He loves dogs. <laughs> loves his dogs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sergio Ramos, like, the fact that he admits it in post-match interviews most of the time when he's done something bad, he's like, yeah. That's okay. that's the thing that sort of... Mind you, I guess if you lied about it, it'd be, it, would it be worse? I don't know. It's just like the fact that he openly is just like, yeah, yeah, I did that. I did that to help my team and I wanted to win the Champions League, so I, so I injured him. And it was just like, wow. <laughs> that's what I mean about the pantomime villain sort of vibe because, like, yeah. in pantomime villains, like... People love to hate them, but at the end of the day, they don't really hate them. They're just like, like mm. someone that's there to be hated. But at the end of the day, everyone sort of likes them anyway. Yeah, they're usually the best character. Yeah, there's a there's a clip of him going around of in the final last year. Uh, Valverde took out an Atletico player clean through. <laughs> yeah, completely swept out. And it cuts to Ramos in the crowd, just clapping him, <laughs> just wiping a tear from his eye. Oh, I taught him so well. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he can be a walking red card at times, can't he? Yeah, but he'll get you a lot of goals. He it was it. It might have been. In fact, it, I think it was the season that they, he did that to Salah in the Champions League. He knew that he was one yellow card away from missing the final in the first leg of the semi final. So he like the last two minutes of the game just kicks the Juventus player straight up, kicks him just to get a yellow card. So he knows he'll miss the second leg and be free for the final. Just strategic <laughs> villain he is. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that one. That's a good one. Yeah. I was quite happy with that one. Right, go on, then. You go you go again. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're thing. doing the we're doing the snake thing. Right. Well, I don't really have a story about him, apart from the fact that I really can't fucking stand him. He's probably the footballer I hate the most out of is anyone. It, is it John Terry? No. Oh. It's David Louise. <laughs> oh. I haven't actually got a, a specific reason. Uh, for hating him I just think he's a knob uh, but also th- there's th- the one thing that comes to mind is and I can't remember who they're playing against and I think it's when he played for Chelsea where he's uh, does he take the ball to the corner or something like that someone yeah yeah someone, someone challenges him he goes down holding his face and then pulls his hands away from his face and he's clearly smiling and laughing and it's just like <laughs> oh you dick you dick <laughs> He's the definition of just pure yeah. chaos. Like he just has the most chaotic vibe. Like any centre back that can have that haircut and belt in free kicks from anywhere and still be shit at defending and still get in the first team for Premier League teams and Brazil. Mad, yeah. madman. Again, you've got two pantomime villains. You've got the, the actual villain, and then you've got the little henchman who's actually just a bit of an idiot rocking around. <laughs> 
But yeah, I think that is like that's a bit of a shit house move, isn't it? That's more of like a, a cheats kind of thing rather than a Sergio Ramos tactical oh, thing. Yeah. David Luiz is literally just a. <laughs> have you hurt me? Let me just peek out my eyes. Yep, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I'm still down. Yeah, out, out. Yeah, what a bastard. I mean, the good thing is karma has affected him massively, and he's now terrible at football. So that's yeah, that's gone well. No, he is. He, he... Yeah. Can't do anything really apart from take free. Kick. I always enjoy watching his afro yeah. lost its bounce and it came a bit receding and he lost all his skill. <laughs> it was all in there. <laughs> That's the there. saddest thing I've ever heard. The afro lost his yeah. bounce, he lost his volume, he lost his skill. <laughs> oh. oh, poor David. No, he's still in there. No. Poor David Lewis. <laughs> all right, then I'll go on to my one. My one is also a Premier League, a current Premier League defender. Uh, it is Jan Vertongen. Okay. So, there's a reason for this. So, when I was looking at heroes, I've gone for a mix of stuff they've done outside of football and sportsman-like things they've done in football. So, Jan Vertonghen, when he was a young man playing for Ajax, so we're talking way back when now, playing for Ajax, I think he was 19 years old, he accidentally scored a goal against, I can't remember what the team they were playing, but you know when you like do a drop ball and you kick the ball back to the goalkeeper? Yeah. He did that and it accidentally went in. So I don't know if he hit it too hard or the keeper was just terrible. But where you're supposed to just pass it back, he accidentally scored. So then obviously the opposition players are going mad at him. Then he's really apologetic. So in an act of sportsman-like conduct, being an absolute hero, he doesn't score an own goal. He tells all of his players to stand out of the way. Bear in mind he's 19, makes all of his players stand out of the way and they let the player walk the ball into the goal. Fair. Very similar to what happened with like Leeds and Villa. I was going to say that I, I remember watching that game because it was live and it was just sort of like they all stood apart. And I think was it, it was Leeds Bielsa that was yeah Bielsa made that happen, didn't he? he yeah, was... Leeds did the shit house thing where they let the they just carried on when everyone stopped and then scored a goal. Yeah, and yeah. then yeah, Bielsa had to come out and go, no, stop in shell. Don't do that. Don't but there was that. wasn't there one Leeds player in that game? I know we're talking about a different game now. Wasn't there one Leeds player in that game that was like sprinting to try and tackle? Yeah. <laughs> it was like yeah, he didn't understand. Is that I'm gonna, get him. I'm gonna get him? <laughs> but yeah, that so Vertonghen did that a long, long time ago, and it, so he was responsible for the mistake. And then he was a hero and decided, no, this is not fair. This will not stand. We must be yeah. sportsmanlike and. Uh, let the, the opposition walk the ball into the net. Got all the ammo. Um, just going back to something you said earlier, he's not a Premier League player. Oh, he's not. He plays for Benfica. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A former current <laughs> defender. A former current. I'm going to let it go. <laughs> I forgot about that. In my head, him and Toby Aldevira are the same person. So Yeah, I always used to think that because they were Belgian, played for Tottenham. And, and they're the same age. FIFA so they had. Yeah. On FIFA, they had the same rating as well. So it was like... yeah. So, yeah, my, my centre-back is um, Toby Vertonghen or Jan Alderweireld. Take your pick. Am I go again? Yeah. It is Toby Alderweireld. No, it's not really. <laughs> it is, and I put him in my own team, and I didn't know this fact about him when I put him in my own team. It's Daniel Agger. So Daniel Agger, well-known for his charity work. He does a lot of charity work in Denmark. He's uh, quite a nice guy by all accounts. But... I can't remember the year, I think it's 2014. Daniel Agger discovered that the homeless, the Danish homeless team, which is a thing, couldn't afford to fly to the Homeless World Cup. So Daniel Agger paid for all of the players and the coaches and all the staff to fly out 
from Denmark to the Homeless World Cup and paid for the accommodation. All off his own back. He just he just did that. He paid for all of them to go. Wow. Yeah. I don't hero. I don't get though, like having a home homeless football team and then having a World Cup where they need to travel somewhere, surely all of the teams would struggle to get there. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe there's okay. more players that pay for this, but yeah. Daniel Agger is the Daniel Agger did it for yeah. yeah. Fair, so fair play. Question, if they're put up in accommodation, do they still qualify for the tournament? <laughs> Josh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you expecting them to just be on the street outside the stadium? <laughs> you had to turn up to so those there were some bathrobes in your t- in your suitcase. There, gotta go. Sorry, you stayed at Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. To be honest, I don't really know how that works and how it constitutes being homeless. I don't know if it means like you don't have a permanent home. I don't really understand how it works. Mm. But Daniel Aga paid for them all to go and play. Well done, Daniel. So, what a hero! Yeah, yeah. So I don't really understand the logistics of homeless football or anything like that. But I do know that Daniel Aga, off his own back, paid for them all to go and and they went out there. <laughs> and I don't know if they were very good or what, but. Daniel Lager was the man that got him there, so what a hero. There's my, there's my choice. So your next one, George? Yeah, uh, this is my last centre-back. You did mention his name earlier. Um, is it John Terry? It is John Terry. Oh, I wonder uh, why. Anyone, anyone who um, is allegedly racist, who sleeps with their teammate's wife, there's a lot of other things, and I can't actually remember any of them, but like they're the two main ones. <laughs> He's not a very nice guy. No, no, I get that vibe. I think you have to throw in, because I know you hate it, you have to throw in the full kit wanker thing in the Champions League. Yeah. I, put put a top on, yeah. He put boots on. He put the <laughs> full kit. On he's put... carrying the trophy. Come on, George. I, I like to don't... imagine he's in the crowd, Velcro suit, as soon as the final went to Straight down there. Like a B-Tech Superman. <laughs> Just... Yeah, John Terry is, is up there with the, the biggest villains of football, I think, outside of the game as well. I'm just, mm. I always say this about like players like that. Like you'd think like you'd see him, you'd think, Oh, you're a dick. I bet you speak to him like, oh, he's, he's a really nice fella. But yeah, obviously for the things he's done, you can't excuse it. Racism has no place anywhere, let alone no. football. And cheat on your wife doesn't either. So, you know, do one, John. Yeah. I'm but glad you slipped. As as we've I've, as we've said in the podcast before, Wayne Bridge Got the better end of the deal because he ended up with Frankie from the Saturdays. So yeah, yeah. he also then got shipped off to Southampton and was terrible. So maybe he didn't do that well. But it depends what's more important to you, I guess. (laughs) Southampton or Frankie from the Saturdays? Southampton? No, it would be Chelsea or South uh, Frankie from the Saturdays. If you get Frankie from the Saturdays, you go to Southampton. If you don't, you stay at Chelsea with you know the guy your wife cheated on you with. I think it's got one of the most iconic moments of the Prem when they walk out, you know, and they shake hands before the game. He was playing for and City he, then, wasn't he? Yeah. And he just like swerves it completely. Yeah. So, so Wayne Bridge signed for Chelsea from Southampton. Then he went to Fulham on loan, Man City, West Ham on loan, Sunderland on loan, Brighton and Hove Albion on loan, and then finished his career at Reading. Yeah, so John Terry, I'll give you that. Yeah. John Terry is the yeah. ultimate villain of English football. Okay. I don't think he's the ultimate villain of English oh. football because I believe that my holding midfielder is the ultimate villain of English football. And that's your next player? Yes. And so so my four in midfield is 
they're all central players, so it's sort of like a diamond. I understand that this formation is never ever going to win any games, but again, I was just trying to shoehorn people. There's in. the villain aspect you do not pay yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this guy's tactics on the pitch included, you know, grabbing and squeezing someone's balls. Uh, yeah. pulling the hairs on the back of their neck or on their arms to put them off at corners or free kicks or anything like that. He loved a two-foot challenge, got a lot of red cards. He's now an actor. Uh, it's Vinnie Jones. Yeah. Vinnie Jones, nice. <laughs> Wales International. Yeah. Which is but, absolutely mental when you think about it. Honestly. Wales captain. Yeah, he was Wales captain. He, captain. he only ever made nine appearances, but he was captain because I think he just must have just two foot of the other captain. It's like, look at me. Yeah, I am the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> Reference to him being in the X-Men films as juggernaut. Not I'll go on and run around the pit saying that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he is the original Wealdstone Raider. He started his career at Wealdstone. Oh, wow. Yep. I just... What an what an absolute like <laughs> you wouldn't be able to get away with it now, obviously with VAR, but just the absolute. There's that one picture, and I can't remember who the other player is, and he's just stood in front of him, and he's just got hold of his balls, just squeezing them. And it's just like how how do you get away with that? <laughs> well, I mean, you wouldn't nowadays, like you said, but back in those days, you could do what you want really, couldn't you? No hard, no holds barred. And he he just did as well. He just Bryce didn't have like a brass knuckle in the shorts, just like whack. <laughs> just pull it out and hit someone with it. Billy yeah. Jones with a steel chair. <laughs> I can see it happening. Yeah. So he's a villain on two counts. One is football career and two is acting career. Yes. Oh, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. One. <laughs> that's a that's a crying to humanity is his acting career. Yeah. To be fair, um... saying that, he's in the film Euro Trip as a United fan who's Cockney, and he's very funny in that film. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of United fans that are Cockney, to be fair. That's true. Yeah. Vinnie Jones plays a, a Cockney United fan and he's just a, like a loud, aggressive guy. And it's quite funny, actually. He's essentially <laughs> just playing himself. I thought funny. he was quite, he's quite funny in extras as well. He's just playing himself yeah, in extras, true. isn't he? Is he it's in Mean Machine? Uh, yeah, he's yes. the main character in Mean Machine, yes. isn't he? Yeah. He's the, the pro that goes into prison. Yeah. He's the Adam Sandler of that version. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so yeah, Vinnie Jones, that's my that's my holding midfielder to help out the defence. What a villain. So my left back is a player who's in it for hero status for his resolve and his ability to come back from, from life-threatening things. So my left back is Eric Abadal. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Marco, was... Barcelona, Olympiacos player. Yeah. This was this was one of the um, players when Josh first mentioned this concept that I thought would go straight into the heroes team. Yeah, like one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm glad I picked him then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just wouldn't have mentioned it. It's fine. Yeah, so but for me, if I if I had to pick it for people who don't know, uh, Eric Abadal, French centre back and left back. Uh, he unfortunately had cancer. Uh, numerous times actually he, he conquered it and it came back and he made a full recovery and returned to first team football with Barcelona there's quite an iconic moment where he comes onto the pitch on his return and Carlos Puyol gives him the captain's armband and the whole camp new applauds him and he's just stood in the middle of this like amazing stadium all the Barcelona fans and the opposition fans just clapping him 
and he's there with the captain's armband on, having beaten cancer twice, come back and uh, just showing that resolve that, like, it's just incredible. Like, you think how difficult it is to get over something like that, and he did it twice and yeah. got a professional football career back. So, yeah, incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, man. so good. An absolute. He hero. was also part of my, one of my favorite things I've ever seen in football. Where I think Barcelona have just won the league or it's the Champions League. Puyol's got the trophy. And he's going down the line and he's going, yeah, come here, come here. Obviously saying to Abadal, come uh, on. Yeah. And Alex, Alex Song. Alex <laughs> forward. <laughs> Can he beckon him forward? He all just pushes him like, no, it's not you. He <laughs> <laughs> did it so confidently. I uh, forgot about that, you know. He <laughs> always ignored all these players and he's got Alex Song, your first one up with me here. But that's, that, again, is a testament to the, the heroism of Eric Abadal because Eric Abadal is smiling during the whole thing. He thinks it's yeah. funny. He's not like going, oh, mate, what are you on about? It's for me, not for you. He's, he obviously sees the funny side of things. Yeah. I think if you go through things like he has, you sort of have to see the funny thing, side of life. So uh, yeah. big shout out to Eric Abadal for, for getting through that and showing people that you can get back to some sort of normal life. Should we move on to your first midfielder then? Yes, yeah, so my first midfielder. So you can't have a hero team without having, I'd say, about 90% of English football fans' biggest hero. It's David Beckham. Oh, okay. So this one is literally purely football reasons. He's done a lot for charity. He does a lot for UNICEF. He's done a lot of charity works. He has his own charity. Obviously, what he's doing in Miami at the moment is like he's created so many jobs for, for people in his, his plan for their giant arena and things like that. So obviously, he's the man of the people. But also... He's just that original football hero. He just is. Like, anyone yeah, who loves football. Hero, yeah, exactly. He's been on our podcast a bunch of times. Obviously not as a guest, just as a, a, team, a player that's been picked a bunch of times. <laughs> but he just, he exudes that hero vibe, that sort of, like, pinnacle of football. Put one on a poster, he's everyone's hero kind of vibe. Doesn't matter what country they're from. He's just synonymous with football. Golden balls himself. Dave Beckham. Hmm. And only a hero can have golden balls as well. So. Yeah. Exactly. Imagine golden how, testicles. How, imagine how hard it is to play with golden balls. That would be difficult. So good on your backs. I never no, understood why it was called golden balls. I don't know. Never understood that. I'm assuming. I don't know. <laughs> no. Oh, no. No. But yeah, obviously, family man. He's uh, been married for a long time. He's had a lot of charity. He's done a lot of charity work. He's done a lot of good for the community. In any club that he's been to, he's played for some of the best clubs in the world. He's always loved by the fans because he's just he's just David Beckham. You don't have to say anymore. He's just David Beckham. He's a hero. Just David Beckham. Just is. He's a hero. Well, yeah, no, I agree with that. On to your next pick. Yes. Uh, So my next pick, these uh, these next two are both going to be central midfielders and then I'll have someone as an attacking midfielder in front of them. So the first one is, uh, is Roy Keane. Oh yeah. Um, Why? I sort of, I sort of, in my head, I was going back and forth, just being like, is he actually a villain, or is he just sort of a no-nonsense midfielder who throws himself about into challenges? But he is a villain, especially as punditry. He hates everyone. <laughs> he's, he's not got a nice word to say about anyone. To the point of, what did he say about David De Gea that he would go and throw hands in the dressing room if he was still yeah, playing? He wouldn't yeah. let him on the bus. Yeah, oh, just yeah. So it's got to be him because terrifying, terrifying man. Except for if you go on his Instagram, 
weirdly yeah, enough. He's adorable, aren't he's adorable on his Instagram, yeah. <laughs> he's selfish with him and the dog. He loves lovely it, little he? family man on the Instagram, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, uh, for, for the reason, if you, if you played alongside Roy Keane, especially in the midfield, and you had a shit game and went back uh, into the dressing room, you wouldn't be coming out of that dressing room again without like bruises all over you. No, beat the shit well, I think the one you have to mention is Erling Haaland's dad. Yes, whose career was <laughs> ended, ended career. by Roy Keane. <laughs> yeah. And I know there was a bit. Of, I know that was a bit of a retaliation thing because he did it to Roy Keane first. But I mean, if you actually watch the tackle, it's probably the worst challenge I've ever seen in my life. It's mm. absolutely shocking. It's horrible. And you know, there's horrible. intent there because you see his face change. He's like, right, you're dead. Yeah. I was like, how stupid is Harlan's dad to get in Roy Keane's face and show him? You know he's coming back. Yeah. Uh, the only the only thing I will say is um, Harland is now winning because you know his son is earning however much money and he's getting a cut of that. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> well, wait till you get Maurice Junior in the mix, and then we'll, then we'll talk. Maurice Junior. <laughs> we ever going to get a Maurice Junior? Let's see. Well, just a casual mind to everyone that Roy Keane's middle name is Maurice. <laughs> And if right. that's not a villain's name, <laughs> I don't know what is. Uh, so the next player is possibly... I don't, I don't know how to word it. He, he's a, I can't say he's one of the biggest dicks because I've already said that David Luiz was the biggest dick. But basically, he mooned a load of fans who were chanting abuse at him. He put on a French accent in an interview when he is clearly British, when he played for Marseille. Uh, he's got a ridiculous amount of fights on and off the pitch. Um, yeah, it's Joey Barton. <laughs> yes, great choice for a villain. He is. He is a villain. Um, I think he was one of the first names on yeah. my team sheet when yeah, I when I got to these villains. He he is such a horrible, horrible man. It was it was between him and Lee Boyer. Nice, yeah, good choice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. players, that's good. Yeah, just. How both of those players have gone into management. Yeah, madness. <laughs> Although Joey Barton has just got a team relegated. Yeah. Does that surprise you? No. I just, the amount of fights he got in, like, yeah. so, so many. There's, there's a highlight reel of Joey Barton's, like, fights slash, uh, like, crappy moments on a football pitch, like, mooning a load of fans. But he went to prison for a while, didn't he? He's also got a thing as a United fan that he was part of the Man City QPR game. And he definitely he got, got sent off on purpose in that game. He got sent off in that one and had an absolute shocker, which allowed City to win it. Well, he's a former City player, so he definitely did that yeah. on purpose. Definitely. If you watch the red card, it's the stupidest red card going. Yeah. And then Balotelli <laughs> almost gets sent off because he comes off the bench to try and hit Joey Barton. Did he punch Tevez or have I made that up? He did Tevez something like that, didn't he? Didn't he like, knee yeah. him? Or like, he did yeah, something like that, didn't he? Um, so, yeah. Josh, you were right, by the way. Yeah. It says, in 2008, Barton was sentenced to six months behind bars for common assault and a fray during an incident in Liverpool City Centre. The incident didn't leave Barton in the best light, punching a man 20 times and breaking a teenager's teeth. Yeah, imagine at any point you're thinking, yeah, we need a new manager, let's get Joey Barton in. Maybe you'd, you'd just be... walked in one day and he went, hey, have it, but have the job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> There with the chairman's kid just holding him by the scruff of his neck. <laughs> I I was trying to find out how many red cards Joey Barton got, and I can't really find it. It also, but there was a stat here that said who has the highest red cards in football history? Sergio Ramos. So there you go. There's another reason for him 
being in my tide. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> Sorry, you need to clip this up for Joey Barton. He, yeah. So first he knocks down Tevez, gets sent off. And then as he gets sent off, he tears off his armband, walks behind Aguero, knees Aguero in the back. So Lescott tries to start him, tries to nut Lescott as he's getting pulled off the pitch. That's mad. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, oh, no, I'll clip no. that. In fact, he tries to nut company. You do not nut a Vincent company without him. You would die. It's not trying to head but me. And then Balotelli comes on the pitch, like, come on, bro, let's have it. <laughs> I'll tell you, always trying to get involved. <laughs> Jesus, that, I, I don't remember it being that bad, to be honest. But yeah, what a villain. You know def- we were straight in the city changing room afterwards. I'm saying, like, hey, we did it for <laughs> There's that video of the manager walking back into the changing room. You see that, right? And he walks in. Like, That's Joey Barton walking into the city changing room afterwards. You're welcome, oh, We got the money. <laughs> <laughs> Roberto Mancini just was slipping a five in the ear, Joey. Nice one. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Buy something nice. <laughs> right then, well, I'll go on to my next choice. Joey Barton is a very good villain choice. That's very good. Yeah. So my next hero choice is a hero for his exploits on the pitch, the clubs he's played for, and a lot of the stuff he does outside of football. And his name, and he's never appeared in the podcast before, which baffles me, is Clarence Seydorf. Ooh. Oh. So Dutch legend, Clarence Seydorf. Played for AC Milan, played for Real Madrid, played for uh, AC Milan, Inter Milan, Sampdoria, Ajax. Finished his career in Brazil for Botafogo, uh, but made 87 caps for Netherlands as well. He's managed a few different teams, and obviously he's just one of the best players of all time, I would say, just consistent. Like, the man at the age of, like, 40, he's absolutely ripped still, like, 12-pack, mad. I was going to say, you could say he looks like a superhero as well. Yeah. With how ripped he is. So a few yeah. things about Seydorf and his work outside of football. So he's actually from the country of Suriname. Or Suriname. Suriname. I don't know how you say it. Suriname. And so he has a lot of development projects that he runs in that country to help develop the sport of football and to give them more of a, a good start in life. So... He's built his own Clarence Seydorf Stadium, which is a bit egotistical, but I don't know if he named it. Um, he has a charity called uh, Champions for Children Foundation, which he supports good causes in Suriname. For this, he was honoured with a commander of the High Order of the Yellow Star, which sounds pretty sick. That sounds literally amazing. sounds like a superhero. Yeah. So he might actually be a superhero. And he was invested as a Knight of the Order of the Orange Nassau. So a tribe. Wow. That's not like ninjas. Yeah. And also, he was announced at a press conference in 2009 after meeting Nelson Mandela, that Nelson Mandela, sorry, Nelson Mandela's foundation, the latest legacy champion, uh, he was announced as one of Nelson Mandela's legacy champions. Nelson Mandela, one of the biggest heroes ever, Named Clarence Seydorf as one of his heroes, legacy heroes. Well, that's high praise, isn't it? <laughs> that's high praise. You can't get much more high praise than that. He played, and he plays in. Um, he plays in the soccer aid game. He's played a couple of times, um, yeah. and he's just an all-round legend. Like the actual football inside of things as well. Obviously, the charity work and the stuff that he does is incredible. But talking on a football perspective, one of the best football players in all time, I think, and a, yeah. a pleasure to watch. I've been watching him for AC, so we really got the back end of his career, really. Oh, people our age, but I mean, 
if you go back and watch his highlights, such a good player. Like hell of a player. Could do everything. Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised that the muscles on him. Jesus, he's gonna rip the ball out of his casing. But yeah, Clarence Seedorf, uh legend of football, legend of Suriname, and just a, a great guy all round. What a hero. He recently um this isn't a thing to like say he's a hero as well. This just really baffled me. I saw a news article recently that said that Clarence Seedorf uh, was petitioning for players to stop covering their mouths when they're chatting to each other on the football pitch. Yeah, Um, And he was basically saying uh, there should be no secrecy, there should be um, uh, between two players. that, And it's sort of like, well, I very much disagree with that because the media will always try and like twist things. So if they see that something looks like this has been said, they'll absolutely twist it and go a different way with it. So it's sort of... I disagree with him on that one. Yeah, and also yeah. they could just be having a, you know, a personal chat that they don't they don't want anyone to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, what what a player though. Yeah, I, I'm I with I'm with you on that one. I'm surprised we haven't had him. Yeah, absolutely legend yeah. of the game and an actual an actual hero outside of the game as well, which is nice to see. You don't always see that from footballers. Like if you don't hear much about them, they're either dickheads or they're quite nice. And obviously, he is a hero. He seems like a nice guy as well. Yeah. Have you seen him in like the soccer aid videos? You know, they do like the ones behind the scenes. Yeah. He's actually laughing and joking with the sleds and stuff like that. Whereas some of the pros just rock up on the day. Yeah, so yeah, I'm just the ball out of it, don't worry. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. He, Fair. There's nothing more satisfying than watching him just like mug off Ben Shepherd for about nine <laughs> minutes. <laughs> well, he actually scored a hat trick in, in the one in 2014, Clarence Saint yeah. so there you go. He doesn't run though. He was just walking around the pitch <laughs> and then just banging stuff in everywhere. Well, yeah. what a hero. What a hero, Clarence Seydorf. So right. my my next pick is a central attacking midfielder. So my three midfielders, two centre mids and one centre attacking. He is a former yeah. Chelsea player, current United player. It is Mr. Juan Mata. <laughs> Uh, a great player in his own right. Did very well at Chelsea, did very, very well at Valencia before that. Uh, obviously, he's done some bits well for United. Not always the best at United, but I think he's just come in United at the wrong time. He was very much in his prime at Chelsea, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 He, he, did, he did a lot with, uh, for us when he first got there. He's just sort of a off-the-bench player now. Sure yeah. He's got about 50 goals for us, something like that, which isn't bad for someone who came early 30s, I'd say he was. He's 33 now, United. isn't he? Oh, he's been I, there I always... I always think he's um, older than he actually is. Yeah. So the reason why I put Juan Mata in the team rather than his football exploits is he was the player that helped launch the Common Goal charity where footballers donate at least 1% of their salary each week to this charity called Common Goal. And Common Goal spreads that wealth amongst football charities around the world to help grassroots football, to help homeless charities in football and all that sort of stuff. And Juan Mata was the biggest advocate for it. And he really start, helped start that movement and helped a lot of other players sign on for that. So for that, and I can say this with no shame at all as a Liverpool fan and a, a big despiser of Chelsea and Manchester United, Juan Mata is a hero. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He, to be that selfless as well. And I'm, I, I don't know if this is true. I've read somewhere that, because it's to donate at least 1% of your wages. I read something that said that he donates like fifty percent of his wages. I don't yeah, know if that's true. Yeah, he doesn't. He does more than one percent, but he the charity is encouraging one percent of, and he does yeah. a lot more. What yeah. a man! One matter, yeah. what a dude! 
he's also just an adorable human. Have you yeah. ever seen him do an interview or something? Hey, my name is Swan. My name is... <laughs> <laughs> it's just all he ever is, and he's just so adorable. He's he's, like, he, he looks like one of the, the one of the most genuinely nice people you'd ever meet yeah. as well. He just oh, what a man! I do love him. Yeah, yeah. There's my choice, Juan Mata, yeah. centre attacking midfielder. I yeah, I can't can't argue with that at all. Uh, right, just clip my Spanish accent. <laughs> <laughs> right. Moving back over to the villains. We've had too much of this nice stuff going on. So with the COVID pandemic and, uh, you know, not allowing fans to be in the stadium and with everything that happened with the European Super League, we know how important fans are to football. Like there wouldn't be football without fans and everyone knows that. That is everyone except Eric Cantona. <laughs> for anyone listening who doesn't know, which I'm sure you all do know, Eric Cantona drop kicked a fan, his own fan. Absolute ball. <laughs> while he was at United. <laughs> I also think, on top of that, that that's the only reason I've actually picked him. But I also think in a heroes versus villains sort of film, he'd be a great villain. You can imagine imagine him in a Bond film, turn him round on a swivel chair with a I don't know, a fucking tiger in his lap, just stroking it. Football's all about the fans and to go out of your way to both feet off the floor, kick someone who has just gone and paid to go watch a football game is a bit mad. So yeah, I think I think he's got to be in there. <laughs> I don't think um, there's going to be any complaints on that one. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I think you can uh, safely put Eric Cantona in there. No one's going to go, no. Eric Constantine was really top bloke, never done anything weird in his career. Yeah, he did an interview recently where he said one of his only regrets in his career was not kicking him harder. <laughs> did he? Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? I'm sure it was something along those lines. That he was just like, I wish I kicked him harder. Okay, so I'm going to move on to... It's either left wing or right wing. I can't actually figure out which way around to put these two, but I'm going to put them on the right wing. It is another United player, which I've realised is going to be my third United player. You're just it's playing George... to the crowd here. <laughs> it's George Best. Oh, villain. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's quite a few reasons. Um, I feel like my, I'm not going to be uh, in my dad's good books after he listens to this I'll podcast. I can see the door kicked in behind you. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, my son. <laughs> you see an Eric Cantona in person with that just... <laughs> Incredible player, probably one of the better players United have ever had. From from what I've heard and what I've read, and I sort of did quite a lot of research into this, he is an awful, or, or was an awful, awful man. He was a drunk. He was... Um, was he? A misogynist. He uh, he got in trouble for assaulting a waitress, uh, physically assaulting a waitress at one point. And yeah, just... There's a lot of stuff that he has done in his career that he brags about that just doesn't quite sit right with me. And I think mm. if, if if that happened now, it's probably a thing where it's like of the time it was almost considered okay, even though it's not. It was like at the time it was sort of shrugged off a little bit more. But if what he said in the media then compared to what uh, to now, he would be cancelled. Immediately cancelled. Yeah. yeah. Like oh, absolutely yeah. immediately cancelled. Um, and the what the when I saw that he'd assaulted a waitress, I was like, it's one of those things. Like when when you're in hospitality and someone's a dick to you, 
they're the worst person in the world because you're just trying to get along and just get your money and like carry on with your day. If someone physically assaults you when you're trying to do that, that's like belittling you. And the re- he, I feel like he would have thought he could have got away with it because he's George Best and things like that because that was his personality and his persona. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's a United legend, but he's he's not a nice man at all. So that's why he's in my villains. Ah, controversial choice for a villain there. Yeah, I know. Like right, well, my next player is also a Manchester United player. I think I know who this is. He's going to go on the left wing of a front three. So it's sort of like a left forward. It is young master Marcus Rashford. How could he not be? What he did last year, he took on the government single-handedly and won. What a legend. What an absolute legend. Like, to do that in the middle of a pandemic, when the government had tried to pull free school meals for children during the fact that they weren't in school, and then Marcus Rashford comes in, hits him with the old one-two punch and wins and gets free school was reinstated. And not only that, he helps he helps kids with books, education. You can always see him on Twitter like help, like tweeting kids who like tweet him about like learning and things like that and schoolwork and he's always there like trying to like be an inspiration to the younger generation behind him. I think yeah. that's just really inspiring to see and, and genuinely is a hero. What a hero. Yeah. Have you seen that um, someone's painted a mural in Manchester? I don't actually know where it is, but it's in one of the parks in Manchester on a wall. And it's uh, in black and white. And it's like a doorway. And in the doorway is Marcus Rashford kicking down the door. And then the door is painted on the floor as well. And it's the number 10 of 10 Downing nice. Street. Nice. It's just a really, really cool like um, uh, mural that's uh, up there in Manchester. But yeah, what a, what a man. Yeah, and, and to match it as well, he's a great player. He's a great football player. He um, Obviously, he's got a lot of skill. Like Some of the free kicks he's taken in the past, like one against Chelsea a few years ago. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I don't even know how you've, you hit the ball like that. You've got to say as well, like, and he's 23 years old. Yeah. He's, he's still, like, it feels as though he's been around for so long football-wise, but he's 23 years old and he took on the government and won. Yeah. Um, and he was already a, a generation, a young generation of United's hero because... Of the way he's like performed since breaking into the team, I think when he mm-hmm. broke into the team, the players he's like ousted from the team and outlasted, like yeah, he's still absolutely. there. It's, it's a testament to how good a football player he is. I think like he does need to get better to be considered world class. I don't think he's quite there yet, but I don't think he's world class now. He has all the tools to get there, and I do genuinely think that if he was to like score more goals, he could end up being United's record goal scorer. But like oh, he just doesn't score enough at the moment, but no, I think no. that his actual ability as a football player and the fact that he scored on was it like every debut he made in every competition he scored on was that a thing? Yeah, yeah. So that's just insane. Like imagine that just every time you play in a new competition you score a goal. That's mad. Yeah, like United fans absolutely fell in love with him for the fact that he scored in his debut in Europe. Like that's it's good enough to score in the debut, but his debut was in Europe, which is like. And he wasn't supposed to be the player that was on the bench, the youth player that was on the bench, because it was supposed to be... Um, Nick Powell. No, it wasn't Nick Powell. It was like, Will. is it Will Keane? Will Keane, yeah. Oh, that yeah. Was it was supposed to be Will Keane, and he got injured. So they were like, oh, shit, we need someone. They brought Rashford in to put him on the bench, and then the main striker got injured, so he had to start that game, and then rest is history. It's just yeah. absolutely took his chance. But for the reason he's in the team. 
Yeah, yeah, I think anyone who has that sort of status and uses their platform for positive change is a hero in my book. Doesn't matter who you play for. And it shows like when he did that, the congratulations he was getting was universal. City players, city City as a club complimenting how good he did. Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp, everyone, all the rivals that would usually not say a good word against about United, mm. all coming out in support of how good this 23-year-old young man was doing, like taking on the government and winning. So Big up, Marcus Rashford. You and a big shout out to his mum as well, because his mum, he, he does it all with his mum, doesn't he? Like yeah. that sort of. She's well, she's my left winger, so don't ruin that. <laughs> I thought he was your left winger. Oh yeah, he is. <laughs> right, yeah, so on to my right winger. My right winger is one of the most iconic football players of all time. We've got to throw a bit of nostalgia in this up in here, right? So his name. Well, in fact, I won't give you his name. I'll give you his current title. He is the current 25th president of Liberia. Yeah, go on. His name is George Weir. Humanitarian. Legendary striker. One of the best players of the 90s. George Weir, Ballon d'Or winner. Absolute legend of the game. Current president of Liberia. Fought for change. Humanitarian efforts. Does loads of charity work in and outside of football. One of the best players of all time. George Weir is my right forward. Yeah. Can't really... Uh, hero. Man's a hero. Really argue with that. Fought for change in a war-torn country, achieved it, became the president of the country, now known as, as His Excellency, George Weir. As, that's got to be the only time that's happened, surely. I, I can't think of many others, to be honest. <laughs> no. No, but yeah, so obviously Liberia, a war-torn country, civil war, was rife in Liberia for a long time. And... He fought for change and fought for democracy and wanted it to be a functioning democracy that actually worked for change. One of the first things he did when he got into office was cut his own wage by 50% so that he could donate all that money to charities in throughout Liberia to, to improve the livelihoods yeah. of people in Liberia, which is incredible. I, mean, I know he's made all the money he could possibly want in his football career, but then to do that like 25 years after he's retired and... Yeah, just incredible. Like George Weir, absolute legend, great player. His sons are all right at football. They're not great. Is one at PSG? Uh, he was. He's now at Lille. So he's yeah, actually he's Timothy. actually top of league gun. Yeah, he's actually top of league gun. Uh, hmm. So that's Timothy Weir, and there's also a George Weir Junior. Uh, I don't know if he's a player or not, but Timothy Weir is all right. He represents the USA actually in football. Oh, really? Um, he does. But George Weir. Played for PSG, played for Chelsea, played for numerous different clubs. Milan, City, Monaco. Scored goals wherever he went. Absolute legend. And now a man of a man of peace and a man of just a general hero for the country of Liberia. Failed twice trying to get to the presidency. Finally got it. He has his critics. Obviously, he does because every president would do. But George Weir, humanitarian, man of the people, big charity worker, and also a fantastic football player and hella nostalgic. So there he is uh, on my right pick. forward position, George Weir. What a great pick. <laughs> Become the president of a country after a whole footballing yeah, career. Pretty good, that mental. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be Scott McSauce, that is. Yeah, fuck off you. <laughs> Scotland's going independent. McSauce at the helm. The steering and get out of the way. McSauce is coming through. <laughs> The King of Scotland. 
fucking it past him. Is he actually Scottish or has he just got a Scottish name and Scottish grandparents? Yeah, he's not got the most Scottish accent. Though. I was going to say, I've heard him talk. He definitely doesn't sound like he's from Scotland. But hey, who are we to judge? We're Wales fans and half of our team are from Chester, so that's not, that's yeah. not criticized. All right, George, who is right. your next player? Right, should we, uh, should we throw a Liverpool player in there? Or former Liverpool player. Oh, is it Luis Suarez? Yes. <laughs> oh, what a surprise. I'm going to bypass a certain one because you've got one Liverpool fan and two United fans on this podcast and it'll descend into chaos, possibly. I mean, it's not controversial. Luis Suarez is a racist and he was racist. Okay, that's fine then. <laughs> if you're racist, um, then you play for. But I'm going to go down the route um, of the one that's more funny, I guess. Uh, and is the fact that he's bitten three players. It's just fun. That's just like <laughs> light-hearted banter. I don't know it just, I still, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, and I will, I, I don't get, like, yeah, okay, once, once is bad, but at least you can be like, it's just a one-off. He bit someone, three different people, in three different games. One, in, and at three different clubs, I think. I I've think one f- was for... Yeah, it was one a, was for Argentina, one was for Ajax, and one was for Liverpool, wasn't it? Uh, Uruguay, yeah. rather than Argentina. But yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so here's my theory on it, right? You, you've both seen Heroes, right? Mm-hmm. As in the TV show? TV show Heroes, yeah. Yeah. So the main bad guy, Siler, yeah? Oh, he has to take He has of... to eat a part of their brain to get the power. <laughs> Luis Suarez is trying to absorb football's <laughs> ability. So he wanted, when he was in... When he was in uh, when he's playing for Ajax, I think he bit a midfield player. So he was looking to improve his, his ball passing, his ball, his ball control. So he thought, you know what? I'll have a, have a bite of him. And then his passing was great. And then he came to the Prem and he's like, oh, it's hard this league. I need to improve my, my defending. So he was like, Ivanovic, get over here. Nom, 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 nom. And then he thought, right, I've not quite done enough. So I need to improve my defending on the international stage. So Chiellini, get over here, son. And then... And then he was the complete player at Barcelona. And that shows the amount of goals he scored at Barca. So all I Doing can really say well is, at Atletico now as well, isn't he? There you go, see? So he, he did it all for a purpose and it all worked out in the end. So, yeah, hero, good choice. All right, we'll... Uh, a villain. <laughs> well, the, just remember Skyler was a villain. No, no, no. He might have been in a show called Heroes. That was misconstrued, yeah. yeah that was, depends how you viewed it, really. Right. One thing you've ignored as well was the handball against Ghana. Yes. The World Cup quarterfinals. Yeah, so what you didn't see before that is he just bit in the goalkeeper to gain the ability <laughs> to do that. It's the it's the waiting, it's the waiting to see if the goal went in as well, and then fully celebrating when it didn't. Yeah, like, that was just like what they don't show you there is when you pan out, he's actually near the Ghana fans when he does that. Yeah. <laughs> in an African anyway. World Cup, and you're stood there as a white guy who's just pretty much knocked out Ghana from the tournament, celebrating on the pass on the pitch. Ultimate shithousery. Good job, Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, I can't deny he's, he's a villain. I love him very much, but he's, he's a villain. Yeah, he's, he's a villain. Yeah. A nice right. villain. A good, good guy. Good guy, Lewis. This so, one. Is this your last player? Or is this a sub? This is my last player. This is my okay. left one. All right. Okay, go. Um, this story is crazy. Right? This guy's nickname was actually named after a hero in the Avengers. So Hulk, Brazilian winger. So nothing to do with his on the pitch sort of stuff. This was because 
he separated from his wife of, I think it was 12 years. And after they separated, and they had three kids together, after they separated, he went and married her niece. Oh, no. I don't know if you two have seen this story. Yeah. But oh. it's absolutely mental. Yeah, so he he married his previous wife in 2007. They separated in July 2019. Then he started dating her niece in October 2019. Oh, no. So not even no, a long hold. time later. Hold smash. Just a few months. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. I mean, you can't, you can't tell a story and expect that not to happen. You threw it up, I had to hit that. <laughs> right then, well, I'll uh, quickly jump in before Hulk does anything weird. So, my striker is Didier Drogba. Nice. nice. Now, Didier Drogba pretty much ended a civil war in the Ivory Coast. Yeah. That is heroic shit. Like he, so 2005, uh, there was a civil war going on after for five years, it's been on for five years already. And basically, after a game, Drogba invited TV cameras into the changing room where he made a speech and basically pleaded with the rebels to stop and to start the peace process. And then after that, he helped organise that the next Cup of Nations qualifier would be moved to a rebel stronghold. So he actually literally took the Ivory Coast team into the middle of the rebel camp to play a game in which they won and got and got into the thing, into the Cup of Nations from that game. And that pretty much started the peace process and ended civil war. So Didier Drogba, not entirely, pr- pretty much single-handedly ended a civil war in the Ivory Coast. They sort of had to win that game, didn't they? But yeah, imagine, imagine the balls on that man. Absolutely, yeah. To go, right, <laughs> I've had enough of this, boys. You put your guns down, watch me score this belter, and then we'll all chat. Also, who did they play? Like, I'm assuming they would have had to agree to it. Uh, the first game was against Sudan after the game. And then I don't actually know who they played uh, the second time. Um, but he's also done... A lot, and I, I mean a lot, a lot of charity work over the years yeah. in his career, and he's just like a, just a, just a legend, just a hell of a player as well, absolute legend. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't like him very much as a player. I actually saw him play for Marseille against Liverpool uh, in the UEFA Cup, as it was then, and Marseille. It was one-one at Anfield, and Didier Drogba scored, and my dad turned to me and said, "He's good him," and then six months later, he signed for Chelsea, and then my dad um, was like. Still good, isn't he? I was like, yeah, yeah, he is, yeah, a little bit. He loved scoring against Liverpool. An absolute legend in the Premier League. Probably up there with Chelsea's best ever players. Um, Mourinho would probably say it's one of his favourite ever players. Uh, Mourinho literally shipped off Hernan Crespo because he wanted to keep... He wanted to sign Didier Drogba. Apparently, the last podcast. Apparently, yeah. Apparently when Mourinho got the job at Chelsea, he just said to the Roman Ramovic, get me Drogba. That's all he wanted. Just get me Drogba. Get me drug run, I'll win you the league. And then he did multiple times. And he did, fair play. In the Champions League. In his farewell appearance with Chelsea, scoring a header in the Champions League final, then scoring the winning penalty. Legend status. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, Didier Drogba, legend of the game, legend of ending the Ivory Coast civil war, hero. Okay, so uh, substitutes. Yes, I have one. Go on then. <laughs> My substitute is Antonio Di Natale. Oh, nice. So, I'm sure you've heard of him. Uh, Di Natale played a lot of his career at Udinese. Uh, he also played for Empoli, Impozzola, Vares, and Biragio. But he played for 12 years, 385 appearances, 191 goals for Udinese. So, during his time at Udinese, he had a teammate who basically, he was there, for, I don't, his name was Pierre Mario Morosini. He didn't really play for very long with uh, Di Natale, but unfortunately he died in 2012 um, whilst he was actually playing. He had a sudden heart attack and he, he passed away. So Di Natale, he is now the guardian of that sister and uh, he is completely responsible. He pays her everything for her took financial responsibility and and yeah so Di Natale literally ended pretty much ended his career he was coming towards the end of his career anyway but apparently he ended his career early so he could take care of Pierre Mario Morosini's sister it's got to be one of the most selfless things I've ever heard absolutely and to be honest he would have made it in but Civil War is quite bad so I had to go in ahead of him there but but yeah, I mean, what I mean, what a story, what a man! Like, like Di Natale, a hell of a player as well. Like, he wasn't very yeah, tall, I remember him. Um, but he used to bang goals in Fruidanese. I watched him play against Liverpool in the Europa League a few years ago, and just yeah, unbelievable player. And played a lot of times for Italy. Well, forty-two appearances, eleven goals for Italy. Um, but yeah, only five foot seven, a great player, and uh, he's currently the coach of Serie C club. Carrarese, Carrarese, yeah, Di Natale, absolute legend. Wow, absolute legend. What, what a man! Real on FIFA, real on FIFA. Yes, he was. He was rapid, wasn't he? Yeah. So yeah, I I can't get over that. Like that's that's one of the most selfless acts I've ever heard. Yeah. So I don't know if he like actually has a. I don't know if he's actually his guardian, her guardian, but he's definitely financially responsible for her, so she never has to want for anything for the rest of her life. That's amazing. Yeah. Good, well, good on you, Antonio. I don't suppose you're listening, but if you are, I don't really want to follow that. <laughs> Watch now, yours is my guy punched a disabled woman in the face. <laughs> yeah, tell us the knowledge you've got in your team. To match <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to give him a story. My guy's Mario Balotelli, and that in comparison is just like, <laughs> <laughs> well, they're both Italian. There's a nice connection. Yeah, that's about all they've got in common. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Mario Balotelli. <laughs> um, yeah, what what hasn't he done? Although the only thing the only thing I will say is, wasn't there that story where he was after City won something? He was driving around Manchester um, with his uh, standing out of the sunroof, like throwing money at people on the streets. Yeah, like that's that's sort of a hero move. But I think overall he is a villain in the fact that he what set off fireworks in his bathroom in a hotel room. Yeah, I think it was. His antics on the pitch are ridiculous. 
Remember that one in pre-season where he tried to rebona it into the goal and missed? Oh, wasn't it a backheel pen? Is that not what he tried? He spun in a circle, didn't he, and tried to backheel it and then claimed that he thought he'd heard the offside whistle. Because <laughs> Mancini went, get off the pitch. Yeah, Mancini <laughs> took him off, didn't he? It was just like... Yeah, straight away. Well, like we were just saying, with the Barton red card in the QPR City game, Balotelli eventually <laughs> came sets up the, the winner, but he almost got sent off because he comes off the bench to try and punch Joey Barton. Yeah. yeah. And he's yeah, a massive he... villain for me and Josh because he set up Sergio Wales, Aguero me. for that. It's and also, why always me? Yeah, why always me in the sixth one? That. Have uh, you heard the story Mourinho tells about him? He was like... The yellow card one? Yeah, where yeah. he's like... You can't. He spent all 15 minutes of his half time talking. Balotelli, you cannot get another yellow card. You're my only striker. They're all injured. You are the only one. 47th minute got a yellow card and got sent off <laughs> straight away. <laughs> yeah. who, who said that? Mourinho, too. Mourinho. Mourinho. It was when he was in 2010 at Inter before his Oh, okay. He didn't talk to a single other person at half time because of Balotelli. Everyone else is injured. Just you are left. Do not get do anything stupid <laughs> two minutes later. Straight red. Oh, but... <laughs> I've met Mario Balotelli's brother. There's a fun story for you. Nice. Why? So his brother goes around with him everywhere. I don't know if you know that. His brother's called Enoch yeah. Balotelli. And he goes everywhere with him. Loves him. They're, they're just like best pals. So Lincoln and I lived in Italy in 2016. And uh, we lived in an area called, well, a town called Pesquera del Garda at the base of Lake Garda. And that is a very popular hangout spot for Mario Balotelli and Enoch Balotelli. Nice. I didn't know. He's not far from Milan. So, like, when he was playing for the Milan teams, he could have just gone and hung out there. And I never saw Mario. Um, but I did see Enoch in a small little bar in there. We were at this party in this bar. And then all of a sudden, this guy walked in. He had a few, like, entourage with him. And everyone's like, oh, who's that? And I turned and I was like, holy shit, that's Enoch Balotelli. And everyone was like, no, it's not. I was like, yes, it is. And then I showed everyone a picture on my phone of Enoch Balotelli. And as I was showing the picture, I saw him looking over and I was like, hey. I didn't say anything to him because he was like in the VIP area. But yeah, I saw Enoch. I saw Mario Balotelli's brother in the bar in Pescara, Delgado. How do you know what Balotelli's brother looks like? Well, I, I, <laughs> Josh, I came up with this podcast. I would nostalgia say I know everything. <laughs> my brain is massive and full of useless information. Yeah, uh, I think I think I just watched an interview where they did like a teammates thing, where you say who does what worse, and it was him and his brother talking like uh, okay. who's the messiest, and they hold up a shoe, and like you know what I mean. Yeah, managers Mourinho. He's such a nice man. Dickhead. I don't think. It amazes me how every team he's been to, apart from maybe Porto the fans end up hating him. Even if he, at the beginning, did very well, the fans will always end up hating him. And it's because his style of play is so negative and he just can't take criticism, can't can't see the fault in what he's doing or anything like that. He can never be wrong. And he's just, he's a bit of a knob, isn't he? I, I don't know if you've seen the All or Nothing Tottenham series. He just comes across so like arrogant and cocky and, yeah, I still think Tottenham only got him because they were filming that series. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, they just wanted that, that big name in. To... Well, apparently yeah. Daniel Levi had always wanted, um, or Levy, how you pronounce it, he'd always wanted to work with Mourinho. 
And then about 10 days into it, he was like, mm, uh, I can see why people they couldn't read <laughs> I've it. made a mistake. Well, apparently they sacked him recently. And the reason they sacked him when they did is because if he'd won a trophy, the, the money they would have to pay to sack him would go up quite substantially. Oh really? That's I wasn't I sure if it was um, it was a whole thing of like you. It's morally you can't really sack anyone after they win a trophy. So no, they were like, I think it's a bit it. of both. But yeah. I, I would say in this current climate, it's probably a money thing. Yeah. United signed Van Gaal after he just won the FA Cup. Signed, sacked him the next true. day. Yeah, true. Thanks for the trophy, Louis. Off you go. Yeah, it's all you've England ever done. Hall so the real val- the real villains are Manchester United. <laughs> That's what we're taking from him. Every shit manager like that is has been United. <laughs> right then, so the final pick then is my manager. Yeah, the hero, and it is Sir Bobby Robson, a footballing hero in every sense of the word. Uh, he had a, a, a semi-successful footballing career himself. Played for Fulham, West Brom. Uh, and Vancouver Royals, so he never actually made any appearances with Vancouver Royals, but he did go out there. Uh, 583 appearances, 133 goals in his professional career. Uh, played 20 times for the England national team, scored four goals. But then his management career is what we're on about here. So Bobby Robson, yeah. one of the great football managers, one of the great European football managers, which people forget. So Fulham, Ipswich, England, PSV, Sporting Lisbon, Porto, Barcelona, PSV, and then finished his career at Newcastle. Um, so he managed some of the biggest clubs in the world, some of the biggest players in the world. Do you know who was on his coaching staff when he was at Barcelona? One. Well, Jose Mourinho. Is it Mourinho? Mourinho was on his coaching staff at Barcelona. So <laughs> have more of a contrast of two different men. Either yeah. could you? So Bobby Robson was actually uh, quite friendly with Jose Mourinho. Actually, they were they were quite good pals because as much as Mourinho is a villain inside of football, outside of the game. Apparently, he's quite a nice man. And uh, Bobby Robson is renowned as being the nice guy of football, the nice guy of football management. He is just a nice man. Gives you granddad oh. vibes when you look at him. He's just oh. a nice guy. Just because I always remember being old. I never saw him as a, as a younger man. Uh, he beat cancer numerous times. Unfortunately, it did take him in the end, but he yeah. beat it numerous times. The Bobby Robson Foundation raised loads of money for charities and... Um, Obviously, that charitable side of, of Bobby Robson was great too. But the football in sense, he is responsible for some of the biggest dynasties in, in world football or helped establish them. Like he helped get Barcelona back to where they are, Porto, Sporting Lisbon, PSV. He actually managed PSV twice. Um, so, yeah, he's just obviously an icon of the game, and an absolute yeah. hero in the game also. I remember that um, moment. I can't remember if it was... Um... The sports personality of the year where Alex Ferguson presented him with the Lifetime Achievement Award or something like that. And it was one of the most touching things I think I've ever yeah. seen. And I he think, de- absolutely deserves it. He yeah, just I think that's what it shows legend. you, doesn't it, that like someone like Sir Alex Ferguson, one of the, the best managers of all time, can look at Bobby Robson and think, that guy's a hero. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. incredible. So yeah, Bobby Robson, hero, my manager. Well, and there we go. There's our heroes and our villains. All lined up. So let's go through this one more time. <laughs> we'll uh, go through it. And then before Josh decides, we'll have a best player, worst player on each team. And then Josh can decide who is better, heroes or villains, good or evil, Drew or George. So my team, 
the heroes. I've got Oliver Kahn in goal for consoling his rival goalkeeper in 2001 Champions League final, breaking down his own persona of being the bad guy to console Santiago Canizares in a quite an emotional moment in the Champions League final. We've got the bringer of oranges, well, tangerines, 2010 to be precise, Dario Serna at right back. The man who decided that uh, he wouldn't allow his accidental goal to count as an advantage, Jan Vertonghen. Daniel Agger, who paid for the homeless, the Danish homeless team to travel the Homeless World Cup and paid for their travel and their accommodation. Then we've got Eric Abadal, great, great defender and beat cancer twice and came back and played successfully afterwards too. Into the midfield, general footballing legend David Beckham. There's a lot of charity work, still does, and, and obviously just a, a hero to many across the footballing world. And then the same goes for his centre mid partner, Clarence Seydorf. Clarence Seydorf, the exact same thing, has charitable uh, events, has charitable causes that he directly contributes to. So Clarence Seydorf is my second central midfielder. My centre attacking midfielder, Juan Mata, for his part in starting up the charity, which helps players donate at least 1% of their wage to charities across the world. My front three, Boris Basher, Marcus Rashford, who single-handedly took down the government, good lad Marcus, uh, current president of Liberia and humanitarian, George Weyer, and then Civil War ender, Ivory Coast hero, Didier Drogba. On the bench, I have Antonio Di Natale for his role in taking care of a former colleague's disabled sister who he has pledged to take care of for the rest of her life, which is incredible. And then the manager, good guy, amazing football coach, Bobby Robson. We should have done this the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> we really should have done this the other way around. Okay. So in goal, we have Pablo Escobar's best mate, Rene Higuita. Um, Centre-back, we have the breaker of Salah himself, Sergio Ramos. Oh. Uh, we have David Luiz for being a general dick. Uh, we have, you know, sleeping with his teammates' wives, John Terry. We've got Vinnie Jones, who his tactics in football will be known as the most villainous thing in the world. Yeah. Not in the world, a bit far. I was going to say, it's one um, of I get you. A midfield partnership of Joey Barton and Roy Keane, which is terrifying. In front of them, the man who kicks fans himself, Eric Cantona. <laughs> On the right-hand side of the front three, we have the uh, misogynist and um, waitress abuser, George Best. Up front, we have the man who bites many people, Luis Suarez. And on the left, we have a guy that left his wife for her niece, Hulk. On the subject bench, we've got Mario Balotelli for generally just being a shithouse. And the manager is Jose Mourinho. Amazing. Good versus evil. Heroes versus villains. Like I say, we should have done that the other way around. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get Josh to decide who is the better team out of heroes and villains, let's go into who's the best player and the worst player in our team. So best player on your team? Probably George Um, Best. It's between Cantona and Best, I think. For me, it's George uh, Best. The worst player. George your, Best. The worst player on your team. Probably David Luiz. Yeah, David Luiz. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on my team, uh, I would say my best player is probably George Weyer. Ooh. 
just picks just pips Beckham or Seedorf to that top one for me. I was going to say Seedorf. And my worst Seydorf. player is probably uh, Dario Serna. Dario Serna, yeah, Dario Serna. He's still a good player, but compared to the yeah. rest, I think yeah. yeah. What do you reckon, Josh? Who's your best player, worst player? I'd say on the on the evil team, uh, best player is George Best. And I'd say worst player is Joey Barton. Oh, of course, Joey Barton. I forgot about Joey Barton. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, it is, I yeah. didn't even think. I'm, I'm we also had Vinny Jones as well. Two good seasons. Joey Barton's been awful forever. <laughs> uh, and on the good team, I'd say Sadal's the best player. And then. Drew's going to hate me for this, but I'd say Dan Agger's the worst one. No! <laughs> I'd say. No, yeah, I, 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 think on, I think on your one, Drew, your actual podcast, you said he only played like 40 games for Liverpool or whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> over, one game, game per season. That's It's good, that. Yeah, so. He's just yeah. time sparingly. Right, Josh. Oh. It's the moment right. of truth. Good versus evil, heroes versus villains, me versus George. Who's your winner? All right. So for both of you, I think you both missed out on some big names. Okay. Which I think could have swayed this other ways. There, there's less good people in football than bad people, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So for Drew, I got a few good team. I got Paolo Di Canio. Uh, when a player went down and he caught the ball. Yeah, I did consider Paolo Di Canio, but then I also remembered that he's a big old racist and thought, yeah, yeah I was going to say, I, I considered him in my team as well. <laughs> yeah, if I did, that's probably why he's not in either. Uh, and then I also had Matt, Bes- Matt Busby for the manager. Yeah, yeah, okay. After rebuilding United. George, you missed some absolutely horrible people out. Go on. Uh, all right, we've got... Uh, Thierry Henry for breaking all of Irish hearts. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Marcus Alonso killed someone. Yeah. Murder. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Pretty on, bad, on, the yeah. Same, on the same lines as Hulk, you've got MNEK who broke up with Miss Nigeria in 2017 it. and got with Miss Nigeria 2018. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's not. Uh, didn't Maru Akadi do something weird with someone's that wife? That was the last name I have on it. Maru yeah. Akadi, who was best friends with Maxi Lopez, brought him up through the academy, brought him under his wing, taught him everything he knew, got with his wife. <laughs> and, now his, and now Maxi Lopez's kid called Akadi dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In terms of actually looking at the two teams you put together, as I went along, I kind of wrote the reasons down why you did it. So, for like Drew's defense, I've got like tangerines, uh, letting players through, uh, feed the homeless. George, for yours, I just wrote shit out. Very technical. Yeah, midfield for Drew, it's all like world class players who did a lot of charity. Again, shit out. <laughs> and then, yeah, like. Drew's strike force has stopped civil wars, solved hunger, won the president. Yeah, I'm going back to shit out your strike force, George. So I think Are we not judging it on the actual football aspect of it now though? All right, in terms of the these reasons they're in your teams for their certain teams, 
Drew has the better team, moral wise. Yeah, moral wise, and <laughs> well, that's the whole point of it. <laughs> but I'd say actual team wise, I'd say George has got it. I thought David Luiz is really going to end it. But Joey Barton in midfield with Vinnie Jones. What are you talking about? I think in the first two minutes of the game, Juan Mata's dead because of Vinnie Jones. <laughs> David Beckham's not much better. And then I think a mixture of George Best, Luis Suarez and Hulk are walking through Aga, Cerner and Vertonghen. But you don't think that George Weir, Rockburn Rashford could get round David Luiz? Like, so I love you, Josh. I think I've got to disagree. Because <laughs> I think you've got John Terry and Ramos, are two of the best defenders ever there. Yeah, no, I can't disagree with that. But, but, Didier Drogba does have a band of rebels behind him. So he'll come in. Well, constantly right on the pitch. Yeah, it always happens. <laughs> if you never see him, they were well hidden undercover. That's why he was so good. Right, well, there we go. Josh has made his choice. <clears throat> and that, that he's made the wrong choice, but he's made a choice. That's fine. So uh, you at home, the listener, you now have a chance to vote as well. We'll put it on our socials and you can vote for who you think has the better team. You can decide on whether you want to do it morally or you want to do it on a, a, a player basis. Obviously, if you do it morally, it's a bit unfair because obviously my team is better because they're not absolute assholes. <laughs> I was going to say morally, I'm out of it already. Yeah, but yeah, but you guys can choose at home, and that's that's cool. So big thanks to Josh for coming back and helping us out with this episode. It was his well, idea, yeah. so it's great to have him back on. So thanks a lot, Josh. Uh, and all, as always, we will point you in the direction of our social media channels. So we've got Facebook, we've got Twitter, we've got Instagram, we've got TikTok, all under the handle at Nostalgia FC Pod. We also have an email where you can contact us if you like, and that email address is. Pod at gmail.com. Bingo. So make sure to check us out on any of those socials. We update it regularly with pictures, funny videos, behind-the-scenes clips and all that fun stuff. There'll be a lot of fun behind-the-scenes clips in this shambles yeah. of an episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but thanks again for listening. Remember, if you can review on the platform that you listen to us on, please do. It does help us break into new countries. Uh, we're currently listened to in 15 different countries, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so let's try and get to the 16 this week. Tell your friends in far reaches of the world. Uh, thanks again for listening. All that remains to say is that was good versus evil. Heroes versus villains. Host versus host. And what teams they were. And what teams they were. <laughs> and what teams they were. You can't have a team of football heroes without having Finn in the team. My dog.